welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast, where this year we are sharing 52 financial tips to transform your finances. So if you want to be better at managing your money, you want to pay off debt, you want to buy your first home, or you want to learn about investing and where to invest, how to begin, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Peter Komalase, and I'm so thrilled to have you here. So without further delay, let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, and welcome to a new episode on the podcast. I am so thrilled to have you here. Today, we're going to continue on our theme where we're talking about apps and reviewing apps. Now, last week I spoke about Wealthify. This week, I'm going to review two more. I did Plum and Wombat this week. So in today's episode, I want to give you guys a very high level review of what I found when I sat down and had a look at their websites, the information that they're providing you as a potential new client. And I'm going to give you some questions, my thoughts, my views on the things that you definitely need to ask and the things that you definitely need to know if either of these two are going to be options that you're going to consider to get you started on your investment journey. Now, because I want to keep the podcast to a manageable time, if you want to view the full fat version of these review, I would strongly recommend that you go and seek out the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is called Conversation of Money. And there you will find the review for both of these. One of them is 21 minutes long. One of them is 31 minutes long. I know it's a bit of time, but all you need to do is grab a beverage of your choice, a notepad and a pen, sit back and just watch, listen and enjoy. The fact that they're 21 and 30 minutes long each kind of tell you that there's quite a bit of detail that I went into And off the back of that, there are quite a few questions that I've raised that you guys need to be aware of and at least ask if you're going to use these guys. So please do go find it if you want the full fat version. Today, I'm literally going to give you a very, very brief synopsis, highlight the important bits that you need to know and the important questions that you need to ask. Now, clearly, when I do these reviews, my aim is to come at this with my experience and my knowledge working in the industry. But what I try to do is I try to put myself in your shoes and think, well, if I was a first time investor looking at their website, will I have enough information to have the confidence to use them without having to second guess myself? Will I be completely clear on what they're going to do for me and how much they're going to charge to do it for me? That's how I approach this. And that is my starting point as the person sitting there doing the the review. I think it's really important for me to state this as well. I do not have any affiliate links with any of the apps that I review. And I think that's important because one thing that I don't want to necessarily do, and I'm, I'm at this stage at the moment, I'm going to talk about the podcast just before we get started on this, where the workload for the podcast and everything, it, it's its becoming ever more demanding. Um, certainly as we sort of start building and looking at guests as I am right now. But ultimately when I do these reviews, I want you guys to be able to trust me without the underlying thoughts of, well, you would say that Pete, because you've got an affiliate link with these guys. So of course you would say that because there's money in the equation. I want to be that voice that is providing this information from an independent place, from a place that has nothing to hide, 
from a place that has nothing to gain from it apart from your empowerment. And that is really, really important for me. As the workload for this this podcast becomes ever more pressing, I need to possibly, I actually do need, it's not even possibly, I have to look at ways of making this sustainable. And I'm trying to figure that out right now. I don't, I don't quite know. I think I've got one thing which I'll share with you guys a bit later on towards the end of this, but I don't know if it will work or not. But that's certainly something that I that I need to consider and I am considering currently. But I want to stay away from affiliate affiliate links because I want to remain that independent voice. Now, talking of the podcast, I have to say, I am ex- I'm just blown away. I am blown away looking at my analytics at where this podcast is being listened to. Now, clearly I'm I'm based here in the UK and a lot of the stuff that I talk about when we specifically talk about investments and tax allowances and so on and so forth are grounded in UK legislation, UK allowances. And when I look at my analytics, I'm being listened to, well, this podcast is being listened to in 10, 10 countries this week. Um, I've got obviously the United Kingdom, my biggest numbers, my family, my people, then I've got you the United States. The third country on this list list is Iceland. And this is amazing to me because the fourth is Australia, followed by Germany, Hungary, Ireland, Trinidad and Tobago, Turkey, and India. India. I mean, when I started this in January, I didn't think that it was going to reach people this far afield. So if you are listening to this podcast, I just want to give you a warm welcome if you're new and a real big token of my my gratitude because the fact that you're listening to this and you keep coming back, it really, really does mean the world. It makes all of this worthwhile, even when I am recording at one, two o'clock in the morning, like I did last week, because I had so much going on. So I just want to say thank you and welcome. And, you know, if you if you are new to this, this is the first time you listen to the podcast, please do find me on Instagram. This is all about building a relationship. This is all about empowering you. I always make a point of returning every single direct message that I receive, bar none. And I make a point of that. So I would really, really welcome interactions, messages from you guys, from wherever you are, please do find me at Conversation of Money on Instagram. Now, we're in our third week of lockdown in the, well, our second week. This is the beginning of the third week in in lockdown here in the UK. And personally, I have struggled. So I've got to ask you guys for a bit of a favor. Last week was a nightmare. My typical day-to-day job takes me to meetings. I'm out and about in the car, interacting with people face-to-face. And last week, my schedule suffered because I'm a late sleeper anyway. I go to bed at one, two o'clock in the morning. I get up at five, six o'clock in the morning. And last week, I really, really struggled. My schedule started pushing my bedtime to two, three o'clock because it was just erratic. Still getting up at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. And I would really love to know what you guys are doing to cope with the lockdown at the moment, especially if you're here in the UK and if you're in Germany or or Hungary or wherever across the world and you're in lockdown, please do share some tips that you think would help me because yes, I've struggled slightly not being able to get out in the car, not being able to interact with people. Obviously I'm on the high risk list, so I cannot leave the house for 12 weeks. I'm three weeks in and 
I don't know how I'm going to cope, to be honest. So any tips that you guys can provide, that will be fantastic. Again, just reach out on YouTube. So let's get going. I'm going to start with Wombat. Now, with Wombat, they follow me on Instagram. I follow them. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know that last year I was churning out content like a madman. 60 second videos every single day. I was doing it for seven days a week for, I think, about four or five months at some point last year. And they were really engaged with what I was doing. Um, they liked a load of stuff. They wanted me to promote them slightly. I didn't want to do it at the time because they were still very, very new building an email list. So they weren't at that point where they were actively open setting clients up. Now, I want to start with these guys because I have had some interactions with them. I asked them some questions last year. I didn't really get the answer that I wanted. They were very vague in some of the answers that they gave me. But at that point, they were still setting up. So I can give them some allowance for that. So when I was reviewing the website this week, there's there's a lot of information on their website, but it also misses a little bit. So I want to start with what they actually do, because I think that's an important thing for you guys to understand first and foremost, if you're going to look at these guys. So what are they offering? Wombat are offering a service for you to buy stocks in companies. So direct stock, individual stocks in companies. If you follow me and you've heard me speak about investing, certainly over the previous episodes of this podcast, you will know there are different ways that you can invest. Direct shares, individual shares, or stocks is one of them. That's what Wombat do. You could also invest by investing in funds, indexes, collectives, those kind of things. That is not what Wombat do. So with both approaches, there isn't a right or wrong, but both approaches have their pros and their cons. And with Wombat, what they're essentially doing is they're allowing you to buy into a basket of companies. So with them, essentially what you have is you have 18 themes. Now, I think 18 themes is quite, is a lot. It's quite excessive. I I looked at it and thought, well, if I was a first-time investor, how do I know which of these themes I should be invested in? So some of the things that they have there are medical cannabis, CBD oil. That's been massively in the news recently. So the social media guru, which looks at um, tech companies, they got, well, they got the techie as well, which also looks at the tech companies. But let's have a look at social social media guru, actually, some of the companies that they have in there, just so that we're actually absolutely clear. So in there, they've got YouTube, they've got Google, they've got Facebook, they've got Instagram, um, they've got Twitter, Apple, um, and they've got a few others. In total, they have got 10 stock within their social media guru theme. So they've got 18 themes and each of the themes have got companies sat inside them. Now, investing in stocks directly or companies directly is okay. That's a good thing to do. For a lot of people who are listening to this, if you're a first-time investor, that sounds sexy. That sounds exciting. It's something that you've you've been reading about on Instagram, you've been seeing posts on Instagram and Facebook and all these places, TikTok, they're telling you, you need to own stocks in Apple. You need to own stocks in Google. You need to own stocks in Insta. You need to own stocks in here, there and everywhere. You're hearing this, you're seeing this all the time because dividend stocks, dividend income are all the rage on social media right now. And there's nothing wrong with owning these companies as companies in stock. Nothing wrong with that. However, 
there is a flip side to it that I speak about all of the time. And I use this analogy and this analogy hopefully will make sense in terms of the context of where I want to position this. I'm a United fan. And if I were to be playing in the Champions League final against Barcelona or a Real Madrid, I wouldn't go out and put a team of attackers on the field. Why? Because people like Barcelona and Real Madrid will rip me to shreds. They would score so many goals, I would lose the Champions League. The prudent thing for me to do would be to put my attacking players and have a strong defence. And this is exactly what you need as a first-time investor when you invest in the market. You need attacking players, but you also need defence. Now, what approximates an attacking player and a defence? An attacking player is your stock. So it is owning Facebook, Apple, Instagram, Google, Oracle, HP. It is owning YouTube. But your defensive players, your Harry Maguire, your Victor Lindelof, your Aaron Wan-Bissaka are your bonds, your corporate bonds. These are the things that give you defense. They stop you from taking an L in the markets because they give you a counterbalance. Whilst your stocks are out there trying to shoot the lights out, trying to get you goals, your bonds are your defensive position, stopping you from from taking losses, stopping you from taking goals, stopping you from losing money. They're there to do a job. If you're playing a football match, you need a good balance in your team. The same thing applies to your investment portfolio. With one bat, all you're essentially getting is attacking players in this analogy. And that's it. You're not getting any defensive play. And managing your risk should be one of your top priorities as a first-time investor. You don't want to overextend yourself. You want to invest the money that you can afford to invest. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you're going to be positioned where you don't run the risk of losing the money that you're investing. So a defensive mind and a defensive approach or a defensive strategy is important in the overall picture. This leads me on to my next point when I was looking at some of the stocks they were offering. So in their, one of their themes, they have um, a British um, kind of theme. They call it fly the flag. And within the fly the flag theme, there are, I think there were about 10 or so companies, uh, 10, yeah, tw- 10 or 12 companies. And as an insider, as a professional in the financial services industry, I would have automatically assumed that they would be offering you FTSE 100 companies. So again, if you've listened to previous episodes, I talk about the FTSE 100 being the top 100 companies in the country. So when I look at their theme, where they're talking about flying the flag, and it's all about domestic companies, British companies, I'm expecting those companies to be FTSE 100 companies, but they're not. They're FTSE 250 or companies that are listed on the AIM stock market at the very least. Why is that important? Look at where we are right now. We've got the coronavirus, we've got lockdown, businesses are not operating. I'm going to give you an example of a stock that is in the basket of 12 companies that they have on 
their list of companies you can that they will buy for you. Cineworld. Cinemas are shut right now. No cinemas are open. No cinemas will be open until the government says that it is time to open. So with that in mind, it's important to ask the question, how much money does Cineworld have in reserves to keep the business running until such a time that we can get back to normal business? The reason why that is important is because a FTSE 100 company, so one of the top 100 companies in the country, will be of a size where you would expect them to have enough capital reserves to see them through what we're going through right now. And that isn't a certainty as a statement. That doesn't mean that they all absolutely have enough capital adequacy to get them through this period of time. But being a FTSE 100 company should, number one, number one, mean that they should have enough money. And if they do have money, they should have a significant sum of money compared to a company in the FTSE 250 or on the AIM stock market. The big question for me, certainly when I looked at this list was, well, what's going to happen to Cineworld? Another the company they have on here is Dixon's Carphone. What's going to happen there? Talk Talk, Super Dry, Bellway, Merlin, Domino's Pizza. Domino's Pizza is probably doing okay if they're delivering right now. I don't know. I don't eat I don't eat pizza. I don't order pizza. So if you've ordered pizza from Domino's and they're still operating, then they're probably still doing okay. William Hill, JD, Booker. These are companies that they're offering. They're not FTSE 100. And as a first-time investor, one of the things that you would like to see, or I would like to see as a first-time investor, is these companies, Wombat, giving me the opportunity to buy companies that are big, where my risk is minimized because they are huge. That's not what you're getting with Wombat when you look at some of their themes. And I think that's really, really important to highlight because as a first-time investor, this is a question that you need to ask. How have they done their research to come up with these 12 companies to invest in? There will have been some research, but what research have they done? How are they faring right now? Now, obviously, there is a flip side to this because, like I say, markets are down right now. So if you hold money in Cineworld and the stock has taken a bit of a hit right now, then it's an opportunity to buy. And if they do survive and they do get back to business as usual and the stock price rallies, well, you bought it at a lower, at a lower price point, you can sell at a higher price point. You've got the buying opportunity. You've got margin of growth. However, the same applies for FTSE 100 companies. And I think as a first time investor, security should be one of the first things you have a look at. So this compared with the fact that all they're doing is giving you access to stocks, shares in businesses is a big question mark for me and one that you definitely need to ask and research properly as a first-time investor if you're considering using them. Now, one thing that they do really, really well is they have a brilliant learning hub. So within their learning hub, they have about 15 subjects 
all together. And they basically go through the basics of fractional investing, dividends, pound cost averaging, a stock, a stock exchange versus um, a stock index. They go through um, regular investing, the value of long-term investing. They go through a range of subjects. They go through how to survive the market. This is something that other providers don't do, or at least I've not seen so far. And again, if you're a first-time investor investing your hard-earned cash, this is information that you absolutely need to know. And the onus is on you to go and find this information, take it in, and make sure that you understand it. Because you're not employing the services of a financial advisor to do this work for you. So the fact that they've got this learning hub, for me, is a huge resource. And kudos for them. I think it's absolutely brilliant that they've got that. But on the flip side, it's 18 themes. How do you match yourself to each of the 18 themes? They want the language that they use when they talk about their themes is they try to match it to your lifestyle and things that you enjoy. However, the things that you enjoy and your lifestyle doesn't necessarily mean that that's a great reason for you to invest in a certain sector. I mean, things like, you know, if you're a foodie, for example, or because you like using social media, that doesn't necessarily mean that you knew, that you know everything about Google or Facebook or you know the things that you need to know about Google or Facebook in order to make an informed decision of whether you should be invested in them. The example that I give is the fact that I own Tesla stock. Now, the reason why I own Tesla stock is because, first and foremost, I have their product. I've driven their product for five years. I love the car. I can't see myself ever going back to a petrol car because I'm now fully converted to electric because of Tesla. I love the experience. The car's beautiful. I love the product, the service. I know the good and the bad of the service experience as a customer. I understand how the business works. I understand the vision for the business in regards to what they're doing with the Model 3, the Model Y, the new roads that's going to come along in a couple of years' time, the Cybertruck. I know where their revenue streams are coming from. I know that they're relying on the Model 3 and the Model Y. And when they posted their, their profits back end of last year, Q4, I believe it was, it was because of the numbers purely from the Model 3. With the Model Y launching later on this year, hopefully launching later on this year, with the demand for them and the range they're able to achieve, I know that they're onto a winner. I know that they have strategic advantages with supercharging and the supercharging network. I know that they have a strategic advantage with the autopilot and the autonomous driving capabilities of the car, capabilities that Audi, BMW, all these big manufacturers are struggling to replicate. I understand that about the business. And that's the reason why I bought Tesla stock because I use the product. I know the product. I love the product. I understand the business. I understand where their revenues are coming from. I know what their vision for the business is. All of these factors matter. They form basic fundamental research necessary for you to decide whether you're going to put your hard-earned cash on a company. Now, the reality is I own Tesla stock. And if Elon were to go onto Joe Rogan's podcast and smoke another spliff and wipe off another two, three billion of the share price, he could still do that. I have no control over that, but it is a possibility. But the fundamentals behind buying the stock are crucial. Now, if you're a social media guru, 
you need to ask yourself, do you know those similar indicators for Facebook, for Google, for Instagram, so on and so forth. So that's really important to understand about Wombat. The other thing that I think is really important for you to kind of ask questions about, and they have been transparent about this, but there's one section that they weren't quite clear on because I don't think they had the information to publish for whatever reason, and it will vary depending on what you're doing with them, is the costs. So with Wombat, you can have an account and it will be free as long as you don't hold more than a thousand pounds in it. The minute you go over a thousand pounds, there are charges. So the charges are as follows. You have one, uh, one pound a month fee. So that's 12 quid for a year, 12 pounds a year. Then on top of that, you have a 0.45% annual fee. That goes to Wombat, I believe. Then on top of that, because they would be buying these stocks in companies via an exchange traded fund, there is also an exchange traded fund or ETF fee. They haven't publicized what the ETF fee is going to be. So in my mind, if you're paying 0.2, 0.25% for an ETF, then that puts you in the region of 0.6, 0.7%. Personally, I think that's quite expensive for what they're offering. So as a first-time investor, you would really need to take the choice and do the homework around, is this good value for money? Because for 0.7, 0.6, you could employ a financial advisor to do all of the thinking work for you and manage it for you on a a yearly basis. You'll incur some additional costs as a result of it, but you could have a financial advisor do this work for you. So, you need to ask the question about the cost and you need to do your homework around what are competitors offering that might be better or on par of for what they're offering for a similar or higher, lower amount, depending on what's on offer. They are regulated and authorised by the Financial Conduct Authority. This is a key criteria for me. If you're a first-time investor, you have to have this at the top of your list. Actually, there are two things you need to have them being authorized and related by the FCA. And number two, making sure that you are covered under the financial services compensation scheme. The financial services compensation scheme means that if a company like Wombat were to go bust tomorrow, up to £85,000 of your investment will be covered under the scheme. Those two things, top of your list. If you come across any company that does not offer, well, isn't authorized relegated by the FCA and does not offer any protection on the financial services compensation scheme, you know what to do. You run for the hills. You do not touch them with a barge pole. The other thing that Wombat do not do, and this is the last thing that I think is really important for me to highlight, is they do not give you the ability to invest in an ISA. You've heard me speak about ISAs all of the time. Today is Monday the 6th. This is the beginning of the new tax year. You have £20,000 that the government allows you to save tax-free every single year where you can invest the capital, £20,000, in any return that you achieve over a one-year, six-month, two-year, three-year, four-year period. Even if you double your money, everything's tax-free. Wombat will not allow you to do that because of the way they're purchasing the shares. This is really important. If you are a first-time investor, you have 
to invest in an ISA first and foremost, unless you've already used your tax allowance. You've already used up your £20,000 tax allowance for the year. If you haven't, you need to do an ISA. And in that case, Wombat are not the providers for you. Really, really important for you to acknowledge that. Tax efficiency is the first port of call whenever we look at financial planning. Tax efficiency first. How can you pay less tax? This is all legal stuff. This is not loopholes, backdoors, you know, great areas within legislation. This is a widely allowed allowance that has been around for years and years and years. I had, I know clients who have over the years invested every single year into their ISAs and are ISA millionaires because they've done it consistently. It's important that you use your ISA allowance. If you don't use it, you lose it. So as a first time investor, you have to use your ISA allowance. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, what is an ISA? then you definitely haven't used your allowance because if, you, if, if you'd if you use your allowance, you definitely know what an ISA is. So please do bear that in mind. Wombat will not allow you to use your ISA allowance within what they're offering. So that's Wombat. Let's talk about Plum. Now, Plum is very, very similar to Wombat. They do things differently though. So they are still authorised and related by the, by the FCA, which is great. However, on their website, there was a little bit of a gray area. I couldn't get clarity on what protection you had on your investments under the financial services compensation scheme. The reason why I say that is because they have a really confusing way of articulating how their service works on their website. And I'm confused. I've been in the industry for 15 years. So if you're a first time investor and you're reading this, you probably won't even spot it, but it's a really important question. So Plum essentially do very, very similar to what Wombat do in terms of giving the opportunity for you to invest in shares, in stocks. So with them, they have there's they have six investment approaches or six themes. They don't call them themes, they call them something else. But they have tech giant, clean and green, which is like an ethical ethical fund. Um, they have rising stars, American dream, best of British and European essentials. Now I'm going to talk about best of British because I talked about the equivalent version with Wombat, which didn't offer FTSE 100. Now with Plum, they actually offer you FTSE 100 companies. This is what I would expect an offering to be for first-time investors. Why? Because they are big, large-cap, multinational companies that happen to be the top 100 here in the UK. It means that they have financial strength, they have size, and in circumstances like this, should have cash behind them to help them to weather this storm. So the best of British option with Plum includes FTSE 100. So if I were to compare the two, Plum have one up on one bat in this regard here. Now, with these guys, they're also quite clear in terms of what risk levels you have. Wombat don't do that. They don't talk you through risk in any way, shape or form, which for me is a big, 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 big question mark. If you're a first time investor, you have to know that you're taking risk. They simply, Wombat simply put the standard disclaimer. Investments could go up and down. If you're unsure about investing, go and seek a financial advisor. For me, that's lazy. If you are a service 
trying to entice customers to put their hard-earned cash with you, you have a responsibility over and above the standard compliance statements that you need to put on your website to help educate people on what risk basically means and how you can get them to fit within your risk parameters. They don't have any risk parameters. They have 18 themes. That's about it. With Plum, it's very, very different. They have six investment like themes or strategies, and they also help you arrive at what kind of investor you are. So they have three. They have slow and steady, balanced, and they have growth stack. Now, the reason why I was confused about whether you have coverage under the financial services compensation scheme is because they clearly allow you to buy stocks. So for example, in Best of British, you buy stocks in UK FTSE 100 companies. Stocks. You're attacking players. What they also do, though, is they allow you to invest and they have a bond, a defensive section to the investment. However, I couldn't find any information that talked about that exclusively. What they do with Plum is they have a partnership with a discretionary fund manager who runs the investment. But this, this fund manager only manages the equity part of the portfolio from what I could glean on their website. And under that section of the investment, you have protection under the financial services compensation scheme, but not on the bond. So the reason why this is important is because they have three risk levels. They have slow and steady, balanced bundle, growth stack. So if you are a balanced bundle, so that's midway of the three, right? A balanced kind of investor. It means that you're going to have 60% in shares, 40% in bonds. Now, according to the information that I could see on their website, if you invested in that in that section as a balanced bundle investor, you'd get 60% in shares. This third-party fund manager will buy the shares for you. You have financial services compensation scheme protection on that part of your investment. But I could not find anything that offered you any protection on the remaining 40% that you hold. That's why I'm unclear. This is a question that you definitely need to get an answer to if you are considering using Plum. Now, clearly Plum have a service where they help you round up your savings and put your money away. And it's a great service. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing because if you're using your card on a consistent basis, rounding up the odd 50p, 20p, one pound here and there could quickly see you have 500 quid that you normally wouldn't have had you not rounded up the money. I was looking at Plum exclusively for their investment services. So if you are going to use them for investment services, you have to ask this question you have to get an answer to this question because you want to know that you're covered on 100% of your investment, not a proportion of your investment. They will allow you to invest in an ISA. So again, that is a big, big tick for me. You have to think tax efficiency. So you can have your money invested in an ISA, which is absolutely great. Um, And again, they do kind of steer you in terms of how you would position yourself as an investor in terms of your risk levels. One thing that they also do that's really, really great here is, so for example, if you're a balanced bundle investor, they give you what the average annual return has been. Now, 
Clearly, it's past performance, and past performance is no indication to future performance, but at least they give you an indication of what that fund has performed like in the past. And beside it, they give you a risk level. So their balance bundle is a four, their growth stack is a five, and their slow and steady, which is the lowest um, risk level that they offer, is a three. So three, four, five. And in each of them, you have different exposures to equities and bonds. So clearly, in your slow and steady, you've got 20% equities in shares, equities, and 80% in bonds. In growth stack, it flips the opposite way. You've got 80% in shares, 20% in bonds. So, you know, I like that they do that. One thing that they don't offer, though, that Wombat do offer is the learning hub. So again, these each of them have advantages and disadvantages on both sides. What I've tried to do here is have a look at it from, look, if I was a first-time investor, would I feel empowered with the information they've given me to make an informed decision? That's how I've approached this. And this is what I think and I hope that you guys find value. So guys, that's very, very high level what I've discovered reviewing Plum and Wombat. Again, it is on YouTube. The long form full fat review is on YouTube. Please do go find it if you need more information. The channel is called Conversation of Money. Um, View it there. Again, just look, grab a beverage, grab a notepad, grab a pen, take some notes. And if you have any questions, message me on Instagram. Again, the Instagram handle is at Conversation of money. Don't feel shy. There is no such thing as a stupid question. And again, I make it a point to make sure that I return and answer every single message that I receive with no exceptions whatsoever. So please, if you have any questions, do feel free to reach out. But guys, this is the end to this episode. Thank you so much for sticking around. Um, Look, this is amazing. I'm really, really enjoying doing this. I'm thankful for your presence. I'm thankful for your engagement. And um, look, next week, we're going to move on possibly to another topic. Um, I have a few things lined up. I'm not going to speak about them just yet. But there are a few things lined up. You will see in the coming weeks that the intro to the podcast may change slightly to make it a bit more broad. Yes, I wanted to focus on 52 financial tips and that will still come along during the the course of the year. However, as I'm sort of doing more work here and there, I'm coming across interesting people that I really, really want to host on the podcast. And whilst I try and tie it into the 52 financial tips, some of them have some really interesting stuff to talk about. So it may deviate a little bit. So there may be some changes that you will notice to the podcast in the coming weeks, just to give you the heads up. And guys, I did mention this earlier on, but if you enjoy the podcast and you do want to support the podcast, there is a link to my Patreon in the show notes. Please do have a look at it and I will leave it to your discretion as to whether you want to join. But again, this is all about making sure that this is sustainable in a way that doesn't tie me or give you the the notion that I'm only producing content because I have a financial tie or an affiliate link with a provider. That's one thing that I really want to avoid. I really, really do. But again, I need to think about this properly 
in making sure that this is sustainable in its own right. So I'm going to leave it up to your, your, your guys' discretion. Thank you so much for dialing in and listening to this. I really, really do look forward to speaking to you next week. In the meantime, please do give us a good rating on whatever app you're listening to this on and please do follow us these episodes land every monday 6 a.m so you can always listen to us on the go i know you're in isolation right now but you can still listen to us at home please do consider following and giving us a good rating until next week take care